I want to begin this morning with um, a praise, um, and it's from the sound booth back there in the back, uh, some statistics that I think are, are really a blessing to uh, think about. Uh, in 2023, in the United States, there were 25,477 audio and video plays on Sermon Audio from this church. From all 50 states, there were 6,115 audio and video plays uh, on Sermon Audio from this church from 95 different countries around the world. Iceland, China, Kazakhstan, Israel, Tanzania, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Ukraine. The countries with the most audio and video plays were Switzerland, the United Kingdom, Canada, Singapore, Ireland, France, and South Africa. Since we started on Sermon Audio, and I want to say that was in 2005, there have been 515,878 total audio and video plays on Sermon Audio from this church. Now, that's just people going on Sermon Audio after the fact. We have webcasts. The services are, are, are live-streamed on Sermon Audio every uh, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and for the sake of these statistics, uh, they include unique viewers who watch the live stream for 30 to 60 minutes. So in 2023, we had 2,228 viewers who watched our services live from 41 different states. North Carolina was the predominant state, 70%, but others were Georgia, South Carolina, New York, in Texas. We had 89 viewers from 14 different countries, people who tuned in live from around the world. 52% of those were from Canada. 24% were from the United Kingdom. 8% were from China. China. Think about that. Perhaps people having to hide to listen to the messages. There's another outreach from the sound booth back there. Every week, Brother Dave Miller, he takes and he edits and he uploads our Sunday morning services to WEEB. And that service, today's service, will play next week, uh, Lord willing, on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock on 990 and on 97.3 FM. I wanted to, to give you these things um, to let you know that this church has a tremendous outreach and to let you know about the work that goes on back there uh, in the sound booth at every service and to give you that as a word of praise but also ask you to pray for that ministry because it's a very important ministry and if you're over 16 and you're interested in 
joining the uh, sound booth rotation, then you can talk to uh, Jonathan Garrison. See, uh, you can be one of the mangoes in the booth. That's what the twins put on the the chart that tells who's going to be in there. The mango in the booth, in the sound booth. So I'm not sure about that, but if you want to be a mango, then you can you can talk to Jonathan about that. We're turning in your Bibles this morning to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And we want to read beginning at verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, And upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, in pain to be delivered. Verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Let's stop reading there and look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for um, your word. We thank you for the opportunity to give it out. Uh, here in this room, in this place, and we thank you for Sermon Audio and for the way that ministry um, gets your word out literally around the world, and we praise you for that. We pray that you would continue to use this church to stand for you faithfully until you come. We pray that you would just speak to our hearts today as we look into your word together, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we want to think again about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the message of Christmas as we find it here in the last book of the Bible. Now, someone might think, well, when are we going to move on from the Christmas message? Well, folks, every time the gospel is preached in this church, every time, and and that's every service, really, That's the message of Christmas. It's the message of Luke 2 and verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so there's a sense in which we never move away from the message of Christmas. It's Christmas every Sunday morning. It's Christmas every Sunday night. It's Christmas every Wednesday night. As we gather together around the the message of all eternity. The Lord Jesus came into the world to save sinners. As we read this first verse, there are two words that stand out. The words great wonder, great wonder. The word wonder here means sign. It means miracle. It means token. And in this chapter, there are two great wonders. The first one is a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And as we read, this woman was with child and she cried, travailing in birth, and she pained to be delivered. We learn her identity in Genesis chapter 37. In that chapter, we have the beginning of 
the detail of the life of Joseph. And we read in Genesis chapter 37 of the dreams that Joseph dreamed concerning himself and his family. And Joseph dreamed that the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to him. And in Genesis 37 and verse 10, we read how Jacob understood the message in the symbolism of Joseph's dream. He understood that the sun represented him, and the moon represented Rachel, and the 11 stars represented his other 11 sons. Jacob understood that Joseph's dream was speaking of his family. And what you and I know is that it is this family, the family of Jacob, the family of Israel, as the Lord changed his name, that would go into Egypt. A family of 70 souls. And there in Egypt, God made that family of 70 a great nation. And so Joseph's dream of the sun and the moon and the 11 stars in Genesis 37 corresponds to the description of this woman here in Revelation chapter 12. This woman who is clothed with the symbols of Jacob's family, the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. The woman here in Revelation chapter 12 pictures to us the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel is a great wonder. We talked about that, um, I think, last Sunday morning a little. Israel is a great wonder. Israel is a great sign, the number one sign that we're living in the last days. In 1948, 2,500 years uh, elapsed. And after those 2,500 years, Israel became an independent nation again. The nation of Israel is a miracle every day as she exists and thrives in the face of something like 22 hostile Arab Islamic nations that surround her, that are 640 times her size and have 60 times her population, and are intent on her destruction, her annihilation. And yet by a daily miracle of God, Israel stands. The nation of Israel is a token, a great token, of the truth and the accuracy and the infallibility of the word of God. The truth and the accuracy and the infallibility of prophecies like Jeremiah 23 and verse 3. Where God said, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whither I have driven them, and will bring them again to their foals, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Jeremiah 32 and verse 37, Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whither I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury and in great wrath. And I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. In Ezekiel 37 and verse 21, we read, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. 
These are prophecies that were given by God more than 2,500 years before May the 14th, 1948. And yet they came to pass with absolute infallible and inerrant accuracy. But there's another great wonder in these verses. And that great wonder is the child that this woman Israel brought forth. And the child that she brought forth is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 9, Paul tells us about the nation of Israel and how to the people of Israel pertain the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. There in Romans 9, the Spirit of God tells us that Christ, who came in to the world, who came in the flesh through the nation of Israel, is God. Paul tells us in Hebrews 2 and verse 16, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. The New Testament begins with his birth. Matthew 1 and verse 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And that verse tells us that Jesus Christ is the son of David, the son of Abraham. The child that this woman, the child that Israel brought forth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the great sign of all eternity. And his birth is the great miracle of all eternity. We've spent some time uh, in, in, in recent messages talking about the miracle of the virgin birth. And his birth is the great token of all eternity, of the love of God for sinners. This morning we want to think about this woman here in verse 1 and the birth of her child because Christmas, the coming of of the Savior into the world is the message of the Word of God. It's the message. It's the very first message that we find in the very first book of the Bible. As we read these verses, there are some words that stand out to us. In verse 1, we have a woman. We have the sun and the moon and the stars. In verse 2, we have this woman travailing in birth and and we see the pain that is associated with the delivering of children into the world in verse 3 we see a great red dragon we don't have to look around for the identity of this great dragon because the spirit of god tells us who he is in verse 9 he tells us that he's that old serpent called the devil and satan and so in verse 3, we have the serpent. So we have the woman, we have the sun, the moon, the stars. We have travail in birth. We have the serpent. All of those things take us back to the very beginning. Those words take us back to the creation. And that's where we want to go this morning. If you'll turn back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And look at verse 
In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. These verses, these opening verses of the Word of God, as we mentioned uh, Sunday night, are so deep in meaning that only eternity will reveal the depth that's here in these words. One of the depths in Genesis chapter 1 is in verse 26, where God said, let us make man in our image. We find the word us again in in Genesis 3 and verse 22. And the Lord God said, behold, the man has become as one of us. God uses those words, us and our, to teach us, to tell us from the very beginning that he is a trinity. And here in these opening verses of the word of God, we see the trinity. Notice again verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Here in the first verse of the Bible, we see God the Father. Look look at the last half of verse 2. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There's the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 3, we read these words. And God said... God said. Those three words introduce us to the word of God. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, they, the, John 1, 1 begins with the exact same words as Genesis 1, 1. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning. John 1, 1, in the beginning. And it begins that way because John is going to introduce us to the word of God. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, he tells us that the Word, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so these words in verse 3, and God said, those three words bring before our minds the Word of God. God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ who was made flesh and dwelt among us. So here in the first three verses of the Word of God, we're introduced to God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. And and that order I would point out to you because we're going to see that same order if you'll turn to Luke chapter 1 for just a minute. It's not very hard to keep your place in in, uh, Genesis chapter 1. You just... Flip back to where your Bible starts. But look at Luke chapter 1. And look at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now look at verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Here in Luke chapter 1 is 
the Trinity. In verse 26, we see God the Father. In verse 35, we see the Holy Ghost. And at the end of verse 35, we see the Son of God. The order of mention of the Godhead here in Luke chapter 1 is the exact same order that we find in Genesis chapter 1. And I think that's important. The order that we have here in Luke is what we might call the order of Christmas. And it's the exact order that we find in Genesis chapter 1. Recently, we, we talked in a message about the connection between the birth of the Lord Jesus and his resurrection. This morning, we're talking about the connection between the message of Christmas and the message of creation. Now, keep your place here in Luke. It's a little harder to do, but if you have a, a little ribbon, you can mark your place here. And let's go back again to Genesis 1.1. Because we read the words here, In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. Luke 1.26, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Genesis 1.2, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Luke 1.35, And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Genesis 1.3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Luke 1.35, Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Right here in the opening verses of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible is the order of Christmas. In Genesis 1.1, God created. In Luke 1.26, God sent. In Genesis 1.2, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In Luke 1.35, the Spirit of God came upon and moved upon Mary. In Genesis 1.3, as a result of the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters of the Word of God, or rather, moving upon the face of the waters, the word of God came forth. In Luke one thirty-five, as a result of the Spirit of God coming upon and moving upon Mary, the word of God came forth. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The word, as John refers to it. And as a result of the Spirit of God coming upon and moving upon Mary, the Word that was God was made flesh and dwelt among us. Right here in these verses, right here in the creation, is the message of Christmas. Notice again verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. Those words are a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And God said, those words introduce us to the very heart of the message of Scripture. They introduce us to the Word of God, the Word who 4,000 years in the future would be made flesh. And what do we read about the Word of God that would be made flesh? Well, we read in John chapter 1 and verse 9 that he is the true light. The Lord Jesus identified himself in John chapter 8 and verse 12, in John chapter 9 and verse 5, 
And in John chapter 12 and verse 46, as the light of the world, the light of the world. Genesis 1-3 is a prophecy about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now again, keep your place here and turn over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2 and verse 34... Simeon says, well, let's read verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Simeon says, behold, this child is set for a sign. That's the same word that is translated wonder in Revelation chapter 12. We're talking about how the Lord Jesus is the great wonder. He's the great sign of all eternity. So he says that this child is a sign. But that's not all that Simeon says of the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 29 of uh, Luke chapter 2. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Simeon calls the Lord Jesus a light. Now, we aren't going to turn to it, but in Matthew chapter 4, I think we looked at it last week, we read that the Lord Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Isaiah identifies the Lord Jesus as a great light that would come. And I believe that prophecy goes back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. Let's go back there. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I believe that those words are a prophecy of the coming light of the world, the Lord Jesus. And it's worth noting the language of Genesis 1 and verse 16. And we read there, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. The greater light is the sun that's shining on us today. And the sun is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in Malachi, the last book of the Bible, the Lord Jesus is referred to as the Son, the S-U-N of righteousness. And that goes right along with what he said in, in, in John's gospel. I am the light of the world, the Son of righteousness. That's why we read here in Genesis 1 and verse 4, and God saw the light that it was good. 
He saw the light, that it was good. God the Father looked down from heaven on that first Christmas night, and he saw the light, that it was good. And why was it good? The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 19 and verse 17, There is none good but one that is God. And so the reason that God saw the light, that it was good, is because as he looked down from heaven on that first Christmas night, God saw the light there in the manger. That it was God manifest in the flesh. And God, and God alone is good. God saw the light, that it was good. And so here in these verses we have the prophecy of the coming, the prophecy of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here in these verses we have something else that is very important, and that is why the Lord Jesus came. Look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Without form, void, darkness. Those words are not only a description of the earth. They're a description of every person who has ever been born into this world. They're a description of what we are by nature. The words without form are one Hebrew word. And it's interesting to see that word in other Old Testament scriptures. In Deuteronomy 32, we read how Moses is coming down to the end of his life. And he spoke to the children of Israel and he describes Jacob before Jacob met the Lord. And he says this in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 10. He, the Lord, found him, Jacob. He found him in a desert land and in the waste, howling wilderness. The word waste is the same as the words without form in Genesis 1 and verse 2. That was a description of Jacob's life without God. And that's a description of our lives apart from the Lord. Our life is a desert land. It's a waste howling wilderness. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel is talking to the people of Israel as they begin life under a king. And he admonishes them to follow the Lord. And he says in 1 Samuel 12 and verse 21, And turn ye not aside. For then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. Twice in this verse, Samuel uses the word vain. That's the word, same word that's translated without form in Genesis 1 and verse 2. The word vain in our language has to do with pride. It has to do with self-centeredness and self-importance. And that's how we live by nature. That's how we see ourselves by nature. We live to go after vain things. We're proud and our life is spent 
going after the things that will feed our pride. And what feeds our pride and what gratifies ourself is the pleasures of sin for a season. In Isaiah 59 and verse 4, we read a description of ourselves. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity. That's our word again. That's translated without form. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischiefs, mischief and bring forth iniquity. That's you and me by nature. Our life is without form. But not only is our life without form, our life is void. It's empty. That's what the word void means. Our life apart from God is void of purpose. It's meaningless. And we live in darkness. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. We mentioned those words from Isaiah 9 and verse 2 a moment ago. The people that walked in darkness, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, that is our world without God. A world of darkness. And it's like that because men, you and me, every one of us, we love darkness rather than light. Because our deeds are evil. And we love our evil deeds. And so we live in the shadow of death. Because the wages of sin is death. And that shadow of death is so over us. There is but a step between ourselves and death. A step between ourselves and eternity. Genesis 1-2 is not only a part of the account of creation, it's a description of every person that's ever been born into this world. We come into this world, our life is a desert. It's a waste howling wilderness. We're vain and proud and self-centered. We think we're so important. We trust in vanity. We speak lies. We conceive mischief and we bring forth iniquity. Our lives are empty. They're void of purpose. And we walk in darkness and we relish it. We live in the shadow of death. And we are, as Paul described, without hope and without God in the world. That's the message of Genesis 1 and verse 2. That's a terrible condition to be in and the question of all eternity is simply this how can those who are hopeless how are those who are without God how are those who deserve nothing but death and hell and judgment forever how can people like that be saved there's only one way God himself would have to intervene. And right here in the opening verses of the word of God, we see the prophecy of God's coming intervention on our behalf. 
Just as the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters here. And what came forth was the Word of God. What came forth was the light of the world. In the opening verses of the New Testament, we see the fulfillment of the opening words of the Old Testament. The Spirit of God came upon Mary. The Spirit of God moved upon Mary. And what came forth was the Word of God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. What came forth was the light of the world. And the reason that he came, and this is the central message of the Bible, the reason that he came was to go to the cross of Calvary. And we see the cross here. Look again at verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Those words are a prophecy of the cross. They're a prophecy of the cross. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 52, if you will. Isaiah chapter 52. We have mentioned these verses in a couple of recent messages, but this morning we want to actually look at them. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 13. We're reading here about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And he is exalted and extolled. And the Lord Jesus is very high. We're remembering as the choir sang, who you were and who you are. And the exalting and extolling to the heights of heaven that came after the Lord Jesus had purged our sins. After he by himself purged our sins. The exaltation of the Lord Jesus came after he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And the cross is what we're reading about in verse 14. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. This verse is inseparably connected to Genesis 1 and verse 2. Inseparably connected. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, and the earth, the earth was without form and void. But here it isn't the earth that's without form and void. It's the creator God who is without form and void. As many were astonished, astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Turn over to Matthew chapter 27, if you will. Matthew chapter 27. And look at verse 45. 
Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Luke tells us in his account that there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. He tells us that the sun was darkened. So think about what we're reading. And, and, and think about how it is connected to Genesis 1 and verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. Isaiah 52 and verse 14. His visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. And darkness was upon the face of the, of the deep, Genesis 1, 2 says. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened. The connection is unmistakable, I believe, between Genesis 1, 2 and the cross of Calvary. And the question is why? Well, that's the question that we see in verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why am I without form and void? Why is my visage so marred more than any man that you would turn your back upon me? Why is my form more than the sons of men? Why is there darkness upon the face of the deep? Why is there darkness over all the earth? Why is the sun darkened? God never asks a question because he doesn't know the answer. He always asks questions to teach us about the answer. And he teaches us the answer to these questions back in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 and verse 10. Verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 10 of Isaiah 53 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. God teaches us the answer to these questions in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. The Lord Jesus was made without form and void. His visage was so marred and his form more than the sons of men. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. There was a darkness over all the earth because God laid on his only begotten son the waste howling wilderness of our sin. He laid upon his only begotten son our pride, our self-will, our, our, our self-sufficiency. He laid upon him our vanity and our lies and the mischief that we conceive in our heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. God laid on the Lord Jesus Christ the iniquity that we brought forth, the iniquity that we bring forth in thought, in word, in deed, Every moment of every day. That's why he forsook his son on the cross. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him.
in the first four verses of the Bible, there in the message of creation is the message and the order of Christmas. The message that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I'm one of the sinners. And you're one of the sinners. We're the sinners that Jesus came to save. And he made salvation possible by going to the cross and bearing our sins in his own body on the tree and shedding his precious blood that you and I might be saved. That's the message of Christmas. It's the message of Christmas. It's the message of creation. It's the message of the Bible from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22. And the question this morning is, the question is not do you know the message, not do you know the story. You know it. You observe it. You celebrate it. The question is, have you believed it? Has there come that time in your life when you've humbled your heart and you've laid down your rebellion and you've stopped fighting against God and you've turned to him from your sin? And trusted him as your savior. You can do that this morning. If you never have. Right where you are. You can trust the Lord Jesus Christ to be your savior. And, and the, the wonder. And the, the great wonder of that. Is he'll make you a new creation. In him. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father we thank you. For your word. We thank you for the the great wonder of all eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. The word God was made flesh and dwelt among us for the whole purpose of going to the cross of Calvary and giving his life and shedding his blood that we might have life. We thank you that you were so pleased with that sacrifice that you raised him from the dead and you've exalted him to the very pinnacle of heaven. And we pray that there are any here who are lost today that they would bow their knee to him and trust him to be their savior. And Father, for those who are saved, help us to live in the light of the message of Christmas every single day and in the light of the great salvation that you've provided that's delivered us from, from so great a death. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.